You are listening to the Nears.org podcast. Today, we feature Arthur Adams, Senior Vice President of Sales with CSX Railroad. Thanks to Northeast Freight Transfer and Shale Rail. Together, they are rail strong. American Truck and Rail Audits and RSVP Rail. Our next conference, hopefully in person, is in Saratoga Springs, New York, April 28th to the 30th, 2021. Without further ado, Arthur Adams. John, thanks again for inviting me. It's excited to be with you again um, as we started just to give you a, a very high level overview of, of the business. Um, uh, we you know, announced um, a while ago now uh, Q3 results and you know, we continue to see strong you know, operating efficiency when you look at our operating ratio, you look at you know, uh, uh, free cash flow. Uh, we continue to lead the industry um, in in both of, of those me measurements in terms of free cash flow as a percent of net income. Um, I think in light of the circumstances, I think we're performing you know relatively well. Uh, as I'm sure you're very well aware, this has been a, a historic uh, year of volatility across um, all of our markets. You know, we entered the year. You know, we had positive merchandise growth and, and intermodal volume growth, and then we saw a rapid decline in, in Q2 uh, and recovery in, in Q3, and we are beginning the fourth quarter of this year with, with positive um, volume growth. And I'd say, you know, um, we have seen, you know, relatively, you know, strong, you know, volume performance trends um, as things have rebounded, in particular in the, in the areas that I have specific accountability for across the merchandise portfolio. Uh, we've, we've been blessed and fortunate to, to see um, some of those markets recover to pre-pandemic levels. Some are, are nearly at uh, pre-pandemic levels. And we continue to focus on you know, extending our reach and our customer supply chains and enhancing our market capabilities. And you know, as I've discussed with you previously, we think there's a compelling um, case for us to um, convert business from other modes of transportation. And we are keenly focused on expanding our reach and customer supply chains, which ultimately enables us to create customer stickiness and expand wallet share. I'd like to ask you a question as you're talking about on the merchandise side of things, and this is a little bit off topic, but sort of on. Um, obviously, the pandemic has affected a lot of markets. I guess worldwide, it's affected everything. Let's let's face it. But some of the basic things that you look at that you're used to going to the grocery store and buying, and they could be things as simple as Hispanic goods that come from Mexico. And those shelves are still bare for the most part. Typical example, I went to the ABC store yesterday to buy some tequila. And the tequila shelves are almost completely wiped out. And when I asked, I said, hey, I'm in North Carolina. Is there you know, any of your other stores have it? And they just said, we're having a major supply chain issue of getting any drink, you know, any of the alcoholic beverages in from Mexico. What do you see happening? I mean, obviously is just still part of a short-term flux or is this really gonna go on a bit longer? Last time we spoke was in May, I believe. And we were in the beginning of this. We were thinking we'd be out of it by now. And we're probably more into it than we ever expected to be. So just as far as, you know, Mexico, Canada, those disruptions, what do you see? 
correctly. I, I think I read an article a couple days ago uh, that, that referenced um, strikes in Mexico, specifically what, what we're seeing. And I will tell you that, you know, even in Jacksonville, Florida, where, where I live, I haven't seen that phenomena. I mean, we continue to have specifically in the beverage space and in our intermodal business and also our carload business, we continue to have very robust uh, demand in the food and beverage spaces. I think we have seen um, in, in some markets uh, uh, from a retail perspective, this whipsaw effect, you know, you may recall early on that there was this mad dash for, for many consumers to go and buy paper goods as an example. And then that began to curtail probably about midway through uh, the pandemic. And then here more recently, as cases have began to spike, you've seen that phenomenon at the, at the local retailers and you've heard both Target and Walmart and others talk about some of those, those near-term challenges. I think in that particular space, I think a lot of the disruption is probably attributable to over-the-road truck. And we know that the over-the-road truck has had some, some challenges specifically around labor. Um, ourselves and other modes of transportation are not immune from the surges in, in COVID-19 cases that we've seen um, nationally. I think there's near-term optimism given the progress that we're seeing around vaccines and the ability to get those vaccines to market. I will tell you that we are working closely with our customers to ensure that um, we are a, a great mitigation plan as they see disruptions uh, in other modes of transportation. But I would say here um, near term across the board, volumes have been um, relatively robust across most markets. Hey, and that leads us into one of the questions we did get, and that's concerning trucking. You've recently spoken in another podcast about the railroad's initiative to get those trailers, put them on cars. And, and again, let's face it, our infrastructure isn't getting any bigger um, as far as the highways go. The bridges are probably in worse shape than ever. And we have not actually ever seen that infrastructure bill that's been going on for administration after administration. So a great solution is to put those trailers on the rail and help out. The, the flip side of that is, and you know, again, as this has been visited a few times, is how do you fundamentally, unlike intermodal where customer figures, hey, you know, we have a three to five day, maybe a seven to 10 day supply chain to get it from point A to point B, your trucking customers are really used to same day, 24 hours, 48 hours. And that's about the dynamic of that industry. By all means, I think every trucking company would welcome an alternate method, but nobody could find drivers. I mean, and I'm railroads are in the same position, I'm sure, as trying to find engineers and it's becoming harder and harder. So what do you think this time could be done different? Is it just a fundamental shift in thinking because capacity is very tight? Or is there something more to it than was in that podcast that you could bring to the table as a railroad and going to those traditional trucking companies or, you know, trucking customers or trucking companies and saying, hey, let us move that for you? Yeah. And I think that's a great, a great question. And, you know, I think there's a few aspects that I, I want to share with you. I think first and foremost, as you're aware, in our, in our intermodal line of business, some of the, the largest trucking companies in North America are partners of, of ours and continue to be great partners of ours and have you know, very good 
growth trajectory with us. And you know, we benefited from some of the recent uh, effects that we've seen in the retail space, in particular, Amazon, Walmart, UPS. And you know, I, I would like to believe some of those, those near-term trends will continue. But specifically as it pertains to our, our larger portfolio of business, which is our, our merchandise business unit, as we shared previously, I believe it is a, a fundamental shift in our, our go-to-market strategy. You know, I talked previously about how we have redefined our, our, our market strategy and our go-to-market strategy and our marketing professionals are, are keenly focused on understanding our customer supply chains. I think what's unique about our business is we have you know, 70 plus unique lines of business within merchandise. And as you can imagine, all of those supply chains are, are vastly different. I think we've doubled down on, on understanding how those supply chain works, what, what our role is in those supply chains, and then what in markets they serve and how we can effectively participate in those markets. When you spoke about the, the speed element, you know, we are competing on reliability and predictability. And we've made significant inroads with many of our customers in capturing incremental wallet share diversion from both barge and truck. And I think it's a function of the reliability. Look, we, we are never going to compete with a truck from a speed perspective, and that's not our value proposition. And I think customers that are, are giving us more business recognize that. I think the key is we've improved our service product, as you know, over the last three years under Hunter and now Jim's leadership. And we have doubled down on the service transparency and still lead class ones in service transparency with our trip plan performance. And I think having the ability to have a fulsome conversation with a customer on the level of performance that we can provide relative to other modes of transportation and really anchoring ourselves against that reliability is what has enabled us to convert business uh, this year and last year. And speaking of retail, I mean, obviously a big part of what you do the Amazon effect has definitely been huge to any supply chain. How much, you know, innovation is CSX looking for because of, you know, again, it's another company, you know, in the past we just talked about Walmart changing the supply chain. Amazon has changed it in so many ways. So how does a company like CSX react to that? Yeah, I think Amazon is a, a really interesting case study in, in the evolution of the the marketplace in general. I mean, you know, arguably, if you were to look at their um, transportation spend, you know, a decade, half a decade ago, you know, the, the the vast majority of it was more than likely outsourced, right? And and you fast forward today, you know, I, I'd say a, a a a significant portion of that has transitioned to an in-source model. You know, they they bought a fleet of of airplanes. They you know, they have thousands of, of, of trucks that they use. They have their own container fleet. And I think, you know, our focus has been leveraging, you know, the strength of our channel partners, um, which still have, you know, robust presence with the, the retailers in general. 
And I think in terms of, of technology, I think the focus has been keenly on the customer experience realm. And we have embarked upon you know, a multi-year journey to upgrade our technology interface with customers. And that manifests itself in a variety of forms. First and foremost, our flagship ShipCSX platform, which is a great way for customers to engage with us, to, to see their shipments in transit, to order cars, and any of the, the services that you could imagine a customer would need to interface with us. You know, we are focused on developing the capabilities to give customers a richer experience. You know, we started that journey two years ago and in 2021, but we'll be heading into our third year. And so we're really proud of the strides that we've made in that space. But we're also, you know, exploring other technologies such as API and, and blockchain. We launched a partner, uh, a partnership with TradeLens um, earlier and, and uh, you know, and in, in specifically in that international intermodal space, which has created some learning opportunities for us. And we also have heard from many of our customers around a focus on, on API. And so we are exploring and in the diligence phases of, of figuring out how to create that, that capability to give customers what they need to run their supply chains more efficiently and more effectively. And then in the transflow space, uh, as we continue to expand our value add services, you know, we are standing up both the you know, TMS and WMS capabilities there that will be fully interoperable, which will enable us again to, to reach further into our customer supply chain. So those are some examples of the things that we're doing to leverage technology and, and innovation and continue to push the envelope in the rail transportation space. As far as other industries go, you know, 10 years ago, if we would have had a conversation about paper shippers, we would say they wouldn't be here right now. And again, another result of online retailing is brown paper. You know, paper mills are converting and reopening, you know, machines again. What other, outside of paper, what other industries do you see as changing or growing or what do you really think is backsliding? Wow, that's a great that that's a great question. Uh, let me start with the with the latter. Um, I think, you know, we have seen as as I'm sure you're aware, John. We've seen significant um, declines in in the energy market, in particular our coal franchise, and um, you know, crude by rail. We saw life life signs of that earlier this year, and you know that business is curtailed. Um, and so I think the energy markets are in somewhat of a, 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 a cyclical um, downturn as you know, there continues to be pressure uh, both at the regulatory and environmental uh, levels, uh, both from a shipper perspective uh, and then also from a, a governmental perspective around you know, leveraging alternative sources of, of energy. So that's something that we're keeping a watchful eye on. Uh, some of the, the markets where we've seen uh, growth more recently, um, I'd say across uh, the merchandise business in general, our chemicals business has been relatively strong. So we continue to see robust demand for plastics as, as an example, and uh, have recently launched a partnership with a Logistics in Charleston, South Carolina, 
which enables us to expand you know, our, our supply chain globally because in that example, we are exporting plastics to, to Europe and Asia and Africa and, and other parts of the globe. And you know, I think we will see more examples of that uh, in the future. So I think chemicals will continue to, to remain relatively strong um, especially as you think more globally around some large consumptive markets, Asia, uh, India, as an example, as that middle class continues to grow, uh, of course, they become you know, more sophisticated in terms of their buying habits and have a greater reliance on plastics and, and other you know, downstream commodities. I think the paper market in particular, you talked about pulp board, wood pulp, I think we expect those markets will continue to um, show you know, signs of, of life over time. You referenced the conversion that we're seeing with paper mills transitioning to pulp board mills as an example to support the, the growing demand in, in those markets. And then you know, we've seen really good signs of life in the agricultural and, and food product space. Um, hopefully the agreement that we signed you know with China earlier this year will enable further export opportunities for for, for grain corn soybeans etc and so I think there's opportunities longer term in those markets as well I'm gonna I got a couple of questions here that came into us I'm gonna save the biggest one for last and I know you're expecting that but some of the ones I had the most questions on so I'm gonna jump over to diversity in the workplace and what CSX is doing. Obviously, this year has been a great year for women in rail, um, two women taking over the helms of class one railroads. And we've heard a lot of talk, obviously, diversity as it should be is in the forefront. What has CSX done to, you know, attract a diverse workforce, but not only that, make sure promoting from within. And what are they doing internally to make sure they're honoring that commitment? Yeah, I, I think, John, I think a great question. Um, you know, the, the workforce nationally has evolved both in terms of age and, and gender in the workforce. I've been with the organization almost uh, 14 years. And when I look back on the you know, average tenure of the workforce, the age and the composition, gender um, and race, we have you know, fast forwarded today we are a vastly different organization. I think both both Katie Farmer and, and Cindy Sanborn will do exceptionally well uh, in their in their roles. Uh, uh, candidly, long time long time coming, well overdue. And I think this year in particular, uh, we not only dealt with the phenomena of the pandemic. We also saw significant civil and social unrest in this country, pushing for, for equity across uh, the diaspora of diversity. And I think CSX has doubled down on that and launched um, you know, focus on you know, social justice and you know, what are the things that we can do as an organization to, to demonstrate our commitment to the communities that we serve uh, and the representation of the communities that are reflective of our employee base 
at all levels in this organization. So to that end, you know, we, we launched some external partnerships this year, uh, one of which was with the Congressional Black Caucus um, Foundation. Uh, we served as a title sponsor earlier this year um, for a, a series of educational um, sessions that they hosted in their annual conference, which was over a period of, of a month or so, and it was all virtual. And I think there's a recognition and belief that uh, we need to do more um, to support the communities, as I alluded to. And then we also support City Year, and uh, we have a very robust pride and service campaign that focuses on first responders, but also focuses on our military community. You know, one interesting factoid is that one in five of our employees are, are active or, or former military. So although oftentimes we, we think about diversity in very simple terms, age, race, gender, I think you and I can both appreciate the fact that it's far more in depth and robust and, you know, I, I believe I am, you know, a, a testament to the art of the possible and very, you know, thankful for the opportunities that this organization has afforded me over the years. And I think when we talk about what we can do to change and, and support the, the future as it pertains to diversity, it really begins with the pipeline. So what does the talent in the pipeline look like and, and what are you doing to cultivate talent that may look different from you. And, and it's something that I know as a, a senior management team, we, we talk about often, and it's something I talk with my organization about. And so, you know, we've done a great job this year internally of promoting um, a variety of, of different candidates that, that have great skill sets, but I think also have very unique perspectives that have enabled us to really differentiate ourselves in, in the marketplace. My next question comes from a shipper and, you know, this could be an example of just one shipper or maybe it's a little bit bigger across the board and just to get your take on it, you know, I, and the question goes, everyone has had to adjust for COVID, but CSXT customer service, marketing, sales, et cetera, have lost a few steps in response time or responding at all. What is being done to rectify that? And what is the plan to restore timeliness in long-term? Yeah, you know, I, I will tell you that we have, I have responsibility for, for our customer experience as well. And our customer solutions team, you know, under, under Shannon Baker's leadership has done a, a remarkable job this year of supporting our, our customers. I would say specifically to that customer, reach out to me because that is not consistent with what, uh, you know, I, I've heard globally uh, from customers. You know, in fact, I've heard, you know, greater responsiveness or feedback around greater responsiveness and support from both our sales and marketing organization and our customer solutions team. You know, we, we have expanded recently our, our customer solutions team and uh, have onboarded some new talent there. Uh, and I think that will um, help us improve even further in terms of responsiveness and problem resolution. But I think the other thing that we've done and I, I referenced previously is around the investments in technology, because one of the things that we're learning is that as the workforce has adjusted and shifted over time, many of the new entrants into the workforce have a, a, a greater reliance on technology 
to to pull information that they need to to do their jobs right so i think the combination of resource expansion in the in the human space and then the continued emphasis on investments in technology which create self-service capabilities for our customers coupled with the fact that we've really doubled down in our field operations team and our managers of training operations uh, as well as our crews you know are also directly you know engaged with with our customers as i shared previously we are not immune from some of the the impacts that we're seeing in the acceleration you know in covid cases um, and have seen some flashpoints in the system uh, where we have had shortages, uh, uh, labor shortages attributable um, to COVID. Now, we are also in the process of uh, always exploring, you know, adding resources to the team. So, have plans in place to, to add additional manager of training operations leaders, as well as, you know, onboard additional t and &E employees. And those efforts are well underway. In fact, uh, about uh, three weeks ago, I believe it was, we actually sent communication to our customers proactively to get ahead of some of the, the, the things that we were seeing in the market. And I think that really speaks to the, the level of commitment and transparency that we wanna offer our, our customers around what we're seeing and, and hopefully enable them um, to make decisions to uh, preserve the integrity of their supply chains. With that being said, and we're still obviously in the pandemic, what have you done as far as hiring practices go? Obviously, it's a lot harder to, I guess, interview. We could always just interview them like we're talking right now over a Zoom call. But that training segment, that getting them up feel as part of the CSX family is obviously remote, is a little bit different than the hands-on approach. How has CSX tackled that part of the hiring process? Yeah, I think you know there there's the there's the management element and there's the and there's the the, the labor element. I, I think from a field operations perspective, you know we've had to to tweak some of the uh, uh, training and development programs, as you can imagine, to accommodate things like social distancing, social distancing, and CDC guidelines. But the team has done a remarkable job, in my opinion, of, of making those adjustments and. You know, we are we we constantly are in the process of of hiring to ensure that we can complement the the business growth that that we are projecting. And the one thing that I always offer up and really challenge our customers is, hey, your ability to plan and give us input is integral to our ability to ensure that we staff at the appropriate resource levels to support the their business and offer the level of service that they've come to expect from us. I think from a, a management perspective, you know, I, I think we have to leverage technology um, given some of the, the challenges due to the, the pandemic. Um, I think the frequency of contact is something that we really focus on, something that, that I focus on uh, with my organization. And so something as simple as, you know, monthly, you know, town halls or increasing the, the, the number of one-on-one -on -one sessions that we have with employees to keep them engaged so that uh, we don't skip a beat and that we continue to provide um, our, our team with the tools and guidance and coaching that they need to be effective in interacting with our customers. So those are just a, a few examples of, of what we're doing in that space. 
My next question here is really twofold. It's going to give you a chance to say maybe no comment, but also then talk about some things you can comment on. Obviously, it was just announced by CSX that you are purchasing Pan Am, which makes you a major player in that section of the Northeast. Um, obviously, it's a great move on part of CSX. Could you provide any feedback on that? And then also, what other projects should you know, shippers be looking forward to from CSX in 2021? Yeah, so I think you saw the announcement after the market close on Monday where, you know, we announced the, the Pan Am transaction. I think the, the, the one thing I would also offer up is we know it, it is still uh, subject to, you know, regulatory review and approval by the Surface Transportation Board. But, you know, we're, we're very excited about the opportunity. It, it definitely gives us the ability to, you know, expand our reach and, you know, Connecticut, New York, and, and Massachusetts, but also, you know, now gives us a presence in, in uh, Vermont and New Hampshire. Um, I would say the feedback uh, from the customers that, that I've had an opportunity to speak to has been, you know, very encouraging and very positive. You know, I think it is, it is very aligned with our messaging around uh, market reach and our desire to, to expand wallet share and to, to reach further into markets, but it also gives customers an opportunity to enjoy the, the other 23 states, which is CSX, um, that uh, are on the Pan Am today. So a lot of work to be done there, but I think we're, we're excited about the, the, the future opportunity for us. So what else then should we be looking forward to seeing from, you know, CSX in 2021? Obviously, we just had an election that may be over, maybe it's not over. But was there uh, two plans of obviously regulatory issues are going to change under new administration? What's out there for CSX in 2021? What are you anticipating? What are you, you know, doing your best to adjust to? Yeah, I think, you know, from a regulatory perspective, we you know, the, the transportation industry and, and, and companies in general, I mean, we, we're resilient. And so uh, the reality is it, it, every four years, things could potentially be uh, subject to change. Uh, and, you know, I think we're gonna continue to, to manage business as usual and we'll continue to adapt and, and adjust as needed. In terms of what customers can expect, I think there's a couple thoughts I'd share with you. I think first and foremost, uh, it's it's around the customer experience, and I think I've given you some examples of some of the things that we're working on, and we want to get closer to our customers. We want to emphasize customer stickiness and and expanding further into the customer supply chain, and leveraging our transflow as the as the anchor to to do that, and so. You know, wallet share expansion is something that we'll be focused on next year. Um, and customer centricity, I guess, would be the second item of focus. And then I think the last is really around, you know, supply chain growth in general. And, you know, the A&R logistics example, I think, is illustrative of some of the uh, opportunities there that we're focused on as an organization as we march into 2021. I think the, the other important thing is there may be opportunities and pain points that customers have today. And our, our mindset and our mantra is 
hey, well, let's have that conversation and develop a solution. And so the, the charge for the sales and marketing organization is deepening that understanding of our customers and their supply chain. And then as a sales organization, becoming solutions architects, being the problem solver that our customers expect us to be. And I think those types of, of, of focus is integral to our ability to, to grow share of wallet over time. And that's the focus. And, and one of the reasons why I believe we are differentiating ourselves in the marketplace as a solutions provider. So I'm excited about 2021. I'm excited about the receptivity from our customer base as we deepen the conversations and expand the scope of the conversations that we're having with customers. And don't be surprised as we continue to march uh, ahead and you know, look for opportunities to expand further. Well, Arthur, I want to thank you for your time. And I also want to thank you for being a great sport of answering questions that are probably so far out of your wheelhouse, but they still come across. Um, you always do a great job with them. We appreciate your openness for these podcasts. It's important to get some information out. We can't have in-person conferences yet. So this is a great way that we get to reach out to our members and get some great information from you. And we hope, you know, we hope we may see everybody in Saratoga in April, but we're not too you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed, but probably we're not going to see everybody again until we get to Portland in the fall. Right. But until that time, we hope we could have you there speaking live and in person. But I wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. And again, if we could ever do anything to help CSX out, we're here for you as well. Now, John, you're, you're, you're always gracious. And I am thankful for our partnership and, and the, the, the member members of NEARS and, and the other regional uh, groups that we support. So no, thank again for uh, considering me for the opportunity. And, uh, you know, from our customers perspective, I just say thank you for enabling us to continue, um, you know, our, our trajectory as an organization, we obviously can't, can't do it with, with without our customers. So um, thanks for the business and, and thanks for the continued support.